Today on Locked On Canadians, the Habs signed Chris Weidman. What will it take to get that second overall pick from New Jersey? And what will it take to get Shea Weber's contract off of the Canadians cap or LTIR or whatever? Make it go away, essentially. All that's coming up in just a moment on Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 631 of Locked On Canadians. We are a free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube, five days a week, covering your Montreal Canadiens. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott, how are you doing on this What in Montreal is a beautiful Monday night? I'm doing all right. Um, it was, as we got some surprising news today that wasn't draft-related, uh, and honestly, it's it's good news. I, I think I think everyone kind of universally went, yeah, that's that's about right uh, for what's going on right now. Uh, overall, good. Getting ready for the Rockets game three here. Um, we do have big news for the show, though, as we hit 1000 subscribers on YouTube. And we both wanted to thank you so much for that, because now we get to be filthy rich and make that Awesome, awesome YouTube dollaroos. Uh, so thank you so much for your support through all of that. Uh, it means um, a lot it's for more us. Like sense. <laughs> look, look. I'm Centers. being positive. I'm being positive here, in that I'm going to be able to buy maple like a diamond color, a diamond studded dog collar with our YouTube money at some point because I'm going to be ridiculous like that. I see. Um, I'm setting my sights a little bit lower than that, but regardless, we are very grateful to all of you. Uh, 1K is a, a big milestone and when you do YouTube, which is something that we didn't know before we started doing this, but we will never forget our listeners and our podcasters because they're like most of the time, people will be downloading us into their pocket and taking us with them uh, places. And one thing that I think uh, we should talk about is Chris Weidman, uh, who presumably has cool coffee in his pocket and has taken him wherever he goes because they have such a good relationship. The Canadians signed Chris Weidman for two years. The first year, it's 750000 The second one, it's 775000 So yep. an extremely reasonable deal. No signing bonuses or anything like that. Extremely reasonable deal for extremely reasonable term. When we did the review, the season review of Chris Weidman, what we both said was we want him back at a... Like, at a at a reasonable price, not we want him back, we would want him back at a reasonable price. Because this way, they don't have to worry about who fills that roster spot. Uh, they also have somebody who has proven himself to be really good with the young core of the team in terms of veteran leadership. Uh, it is for an extremely reasonable cap hit slash dollar amount. So, you know, a, another team would... Uh, would, would uh, it's an enticing prospect if the Canadians ever wanted to trade him. But I think the most important thing, and a couple of people have pointed this, I pointed this out, I believe Arpan Vasu was one of them, is that two-year term signifies a message, right? Like that to me, what I'm taking away from that two-year term is that the Canadians see their window opening at the end of that two-year term. They want this person around for these two years because they know that they need him for the growth aspect, right? 
And I'm very happy for him. By all accounts, he seems like a really nice guy who got the short end of the stick of a scandal in Ottawa, got sent to the KHL, did the work to come back. That's what he alluded to in his in his presser today was like he talked about how, you know, he worked hard to come back. He and his wife seem happy in Montreal. They feel like they belong. The Montreal Canadiens players love him. Uh, the Canadians need defensive roster spots. And there is no one at this moment in time that they could put in there right now to grow for the future, right? Like, so they've got this veteran, like, quote unquote veteran. He's not actually that old uh, or that experienced, but they've got somebody who's good with the younger players, who's, who provides a little bit of stability, a little bit of energy. He is a little bit one dimensional, which we, you know, we know that, but he is decent at that one thing if the Canadians use him right. And he talked himself about how he would want to continue to grow under Marty. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I just, I love his attitude. I think that this isn't one of those things where it's going to like make or break or change the team in any way. I think it's just uh, kind of more housekeeping than anything else. I, th- I feel like Samuel Montalbo would be a similar issue. Uh, I do believe the Canadians will bring him back for another like a smaller dollar amount. And then, you know, we're, we're going to be having the same conversation again when, when Samuel Montalbo resigns in Montreal. Um, but I do think that you know, for me, this is all good news. There's nothing to hate about this deal. Like a lot of people are like, why do you even care? It's just Chris Weidman. It's like a seven, you know, I think that it's the off season and there's lots going on in Montreal Canadiens land. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention a major signing. Well, a ma- not a major signing, a signing that they did. It is the first one, I believe, of Ken Hughes' career, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, and I look at this and I go, this is a guy that fills in the bottom pairing role, can play the power play as called upon. Like you said, he seems to mesh really well with the guys on this team. He's matured a lot, I think, since his time uh since he went to the KHL after everything that happened in Ottawa there. And he's a nice safety valve. And for $700,000, they can bury him in the minor leagues if they need to. If Norlinder or Barron or Gooley or Harris or whomever isn't quite ready to take that next step, cool. You have Chris Weidman. You can put them in the minors and let them, you know, kind of work through some of their issues here. You don't feel the pressure to just play the young guys through what's going to be a uh, bumpy season and Weidman isn't a superstar. He's not, he had 27 points this year. I think something along that he's not lighting the world on fire, but he plays a solid role and he does well within that role itself. And it's just like you said, at the end of two years should signify where they kind of want to turn it around where unfortunately the Chris Weidman's are probably not going to be a part of this team. That's going to be the Harris's, the Struble's, the Norlinders, the Barons, the et cetera. Uh, etc there but for right now he's a nice safety blanket for not only martin st louis but for kent hughes and his staff to have there because they know what chris weidman is it's like they know what joel edmondson is they might not know you know what some of these other pieces are quite yet but they have this it's it's chris weidman Uh, i it's a really smart deal he seems to love being here um obviously in that uh, photo he signed with his contract with his dog and his uh child was absolutely fantastic and that thing is it's like it's not a make or break kind of thing it's just a nice little addition to bring back to the team again gets another piece in place for next year and provides a nice safety blanket if you have strong feelings about this one way or the other i i think you're just desperate for montreal canadians news right now which i get it but it's nothing crazy and it's not terrible it's it's a signing <laughs> it's a, it's the first of the off season. It's going to be fine. 
Yeah, it's not that deep. But I will say the one thing that I love about guys like Chris Weidman and Jake Allen, they know their role. You know, when they're talking to the media today, when Chris Weidman was talking, like, it's very clear from what he's saying is that he's here for those two years. And then he's going to watch the Canadians grow and go on without him. And he talked about how excited that he was, you know, just for that. I thought that was phenomenal. You know, it's the same thing as Jake Allen, who talks about how this is Carey Price's net. He's just here to be the backup. I love players like that where they're still going to give it their all and they're still going to play their best. They're still going to do everything they can to be part of the team and help the team, even though they know that they're not there for a larger role, a larger contract, all of that kind of stuff. I just love these two. Like, this kind of attitude is what I love um, in players like that. That's what a depth player should be. Uh, And so in our next segment, what we're going to talk about is... What will it take for the New Jersey Devils to give up that second overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft? And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, remember, Built Bar is one of our favorite sponsors because they are a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They're a delicious treat. And now they have granola bars. And they're so, so, so delicious. We love Built Bar so much. They're high in protein low in sugar. They keep you satiated. They give you that energy, whether you're on your hikes or, you know, you need a mid-afternoon pick-me-up or, you know, and and people were wanting Built Bar's delicious flavor to be in a granola bar, so Built Bar delivered. And if you want to try any of the Built Bars, the Built Puffs, any of the products they have, including the Built Granola Bar, you can go to Built.com and enter promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. And we've got a favor to ask everybody. We, well, we locked on is doing a listener survey. They want to know what you like about the locked on network and what you don't. So if you go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey, you can tell us. And when you take the survey, you could be eligible to win a $100 gift card from Ticketmaster. So check that out. Uh, and please do us a favor. Tell our bosses what you like and don't like about locked on podcasts in general. Um, and, um, and hopefully we can improve what we bring to you in the meantime. I wanted to talk about this today because it comes up a lot. Um, Now that we're on YouTube, there are a lot of uh, commenters that have discussions, which I really, really, really enjoy. I enjoy watching, you know, the the discussion unfold. Um, We also get this in our mailbag a lot. We get this on Twitter a lot. A lot of people want New Jersey Devils, the New Jersey Devils second overall pick because they have hinted that they might be willing to part with it for immediate help. They've talked about this. It's not a guarantee that they're shopping it or anything like that, but they have indicated that they would be willing to let it go for the right price. Now, in Montreal, because there's that debate about whether Canadians should pick um, Shane Wright or Yuri Slavkovsky, I keep saying Slavkovsky, Slavkovsky, um, (laughs) they're like, why not both? Why not trade for New Jersey Devils second overall I'll pick, then get Shane Wright and Slavkovsky and basically create your core. Now you've already got your Nick Suzuki and your Cole Caulfield, you know, then you, you can worry about your defensemen and then you can worry about, you know, the future of the goaltending on this team, which, you know, we've talked at, about at length on this show. But here's the thing that I think people kind of are losing a bit of sight of is that the New Jersey Devils are not giving away the second overall pick. They are demanding a decent return for this. The pick is available for the right price. The right price for the Montreal Canadiens would include at least one of Nick Suzuki or Cole Caulfield, which you're not willing to part with. 
and, 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 and. It's not a situation where you send Jeff Petrie, Mike Hoffman, and I don't know, a second round or a fourth round, whatever it is, to New Jersey for the second overall pick. Like, you can't simultaneously say that the second overall pick, you know, is 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 going to get you this future superstar and then say we're going to send over players that the Canadians already know they're going to be shopping because the players themselves are either not a right fit or want to leave. Like that is not a good enough price. Like the what what seriously, you know what I think? You know who I think has a shot at getting the second overall pick? A team that is good enough to contend that is has so much depth that they have multiple stars on it that they can afford to part with one star because they either need center depth with Logan Cooley or they want uh, uh, Slavkovsky to like slot into the lineup as some of their older stars age out or like can't fit under the cap and they have to trade them like a Tampa Bay, uh, you know, a Florida. Like the Montreal Canadiens do not have what it takes to get the second overall pick, unless they are willing to part with one of their two stars at least. Like, you know, we're not overvaluing the second overall pick here. We are undervaluing it when we say things like Mike Hoffman will do it or Jeff Petrie will do it or, you know, let's throw in Norlinder. Everybody's throwing Norlinder into trades right now. You know, I don't like the New Jersey Devils are not going to do that. They're going to take their chances with either Cooley or Slavkovsky or potentially right if the Canadians don't pick that. Like, it's... It, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm, I'm, I'm appearing frustrated. I'm just saying it's like, it's not impossible. And if you have the chance, like if the devils were like, do you want the second overall pick, but you don't have to part with one of the only two stars you have, then I would be absolutely like, I would be like, okay, take these five or six things, whatever you want, but it's not going to happen. The devils are not going to do it. And I've got in front of me uh, Michael Shucker's draft value here. And the first overall pick is valued in this, and this is a couple years old, at 917. I'm going to call them points for whatever thing. Pick number two is at 871. The Canadians' next pick, which I believe is 26th overall, is worth 297 points. And if you are including that, and I assume everyone will be using that to trade up, You have to add to that. It's a lot. Yeah, you can add the 33rd overall pick. Okay, that's 237 plus, you know, three. So you're still 300 points short of what you need. You're going to give up so much. And for a team like the Canadians, I don't see trading up unless New Jersey is like absolutely desperate to get someone on the Canadians roster besides Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. I... I can't see the Canadians doing it because the cost of doing this bit of business is so much more than I think people realize unless a GM has absolutely lost their mind, which if Tom Fitzgerald has lost his mind and will go, yeah, 26th overall, one of your defensive prospects, a second and, you know, something else off your main roster, then maybe you look at it, but you don't do like five draft picks when you're a team that needs as many cracks at the ball as you can get right now. And I understand it. Getting to trade up for number two overall would be great. And I would also pick Simon Nemitz over here of Slavkovsky, but that's an entirely different debate. It's not in the cards this year. It'd be different if the Canadians were like fourth overall and wanted to trade up in there and try and get their guy. Then, okay, you make it work. But you're drafting first overall. You go and you get Shane Wright. And then you go, okay, 
Now we put our faith in our scouting staff here. We have 13 other draft picks and we have young pieces to build around here. Don't cut off part of your rebuild before you have a chance to see what it can grow into. You know, don't trade Matias Norlander before you've gotten to see him fully adjusted to the North American game. Do not trade a Caden Gooley, a Justin Barron, et cetera, et cetera, before you see what they can do here. And don't surrender all your picks to move up because here's what happens. If Slavkovsky isn't what you needed and you miss the boat on like five or six other guys because you traded those picks, it's still bad for you. If there's a deal there that somehow isn't giving up a ton of high-end assets, uh, one, you rush to the podium and you do that, I just don't see it because the Canadians would have to negotiate out of a really bad leverage situation here with New Jersey was holds all the cards. They have their second overall pick and they can do whatever they want. And I guarantee they'll trade back like the three or four and you're going to watch a team give up two prospects and their first to try and move up into that second overall spot. And if you're the Canadians, that's not a spot you can afford to be in right now. You should keep your players and keep your picks. No, absolutely not. And here's the thing, like there is a case to be made of taking that 26th and that 23rd and trying to move up, but you're going to move up to like the 15th spot, the 14th spot, which again is amazing, but you can't take those two picks out of roster player and get that second overall. Like we need to be realistic. We can't get our hopes up. Yes. If there's an opportunity, a hundred percent, but it's not like New Jersey gives away their second overall pick. For a bag of pucks, it's not happening. We need to be realistic about this. And speaking of being realistic, uh, we've also had a lot of commenters uh, discuss the Shea Weber situation. So let's talk about that in our next segment. What will it take to get Shea Weber off of the Canadians roster? All right, Scott, people are taking issue with our opinion that it's going to be hard to move Shea Weber's contract. All right, so... I'm I'm going to try and make this make as much sense as possible in that I've seen a couple of points here that people have brought up is that one, well, they can just threaten that Shea Weber's going to retire. Shea Weber is still owed an actual salary, another five million dollars and a cap hit of seven point eight through the rest of this through the next four years. He's not just going to give up millions of dollars for no reason. You can believe in your heart of hearts that Shea Weber wants to go live in a log cabin in Sakamas and hunt and fight grizzly bears and just stare off into the woods. That could all be well and true, but he's not going to give up millions of dollars to do that. And the Canadians, who have John Cedric, who is very good at managing the cap, are not going to sacrifice that LTIR if he's going to be staying here. Uh, Because that's cap relief they desperately need because they are over the cap limit right now. And I look at other trades here that were cap dumps. Marc-Andre Fleury was a cap dump, got traded for literally nothing out of Vegas. The guy he was traded for was a nothing goalie who I don't even think is playing in North America. Shane Gostisbehere was traded for literally nothing to Arizona, where he became a regular contributor for them. And it was a terrible move by the Flyers at the end of things, but that's besides the point. Patrick Marlowe had to have a first-round pick attached to his contract that had I believe one year left on it to get him out of Toronto so they could do some cap work and sign some other guys. Shea Weber has four more years on his contract with a cap hit of $7.857143 million a year. That's not light change. There's very few teams that can willingly take that on right now. 
and not have issues. His total salary is three million this year, then one million, one million, one million. So his cap hit is much higher than his actual salary paid out, which would make him more palatable to some teams. This is not a trade where the Canadians are trading Shea Weber, who's declining and might have some value. This is the Canadians trading a guy who cannot play hockey anymore. He is not cleared to play hockey. This is not Shane Gostas Bear. We're trying to get rid of this contract, anything like that. This is literal dead cap space they are trading to get it off their books to make cap room. So they don't have to do the LTIR dance where they have to be as close to the cap floor before or the cap ceiling before they put him on LTIR to get the most out of it. It's a hefty contract. And it feels like Arizona is going to take it on because they want as many draft picks as they can get because they're going to need somebody to play there eventually in their college stadium. It's it's not as easy as it looks just because the Canadians are going to give up something going in this. They're going to probably give up a decent prospect or you know some picks to make this trade work. That's just how it's going to happen. And I will be shocked if it ends up being Shea Weber for like almost nothing. And that's what I'm expecting. It's going to be Weber's contract. Some picks or a prospect for like an AHL defenseman or something. Like that's just how this kind of thing works. Right. And there's a couple of arguments that keep coming up is that, you know, there's a lot of teams such as Arizona that keeps getting brought up. They need to make the cap floor, but they don't want to spend a lot of real dollars. And that's true. But at the same time, they're still doing you a massive favor. They're still doing you a massive favor. So they're not going to do that for free. That's the thing. Like the Canadians are going to have to give up something. And another thing that people keep thinking, keep asking is why do they have to do it at all? We need the cap relief is because on day one of the NHL, the night before all of your players, including the ones you're going to put on the raw, on the, on the LTIR have to fit under the cap. Otherwise you start forfeiting salary. So on day one, both Shea Weber and Carey Price, whether or not they play have to fit under the cap before the, the, and then they can put them on uh, LTIR the following day. But that's also something where like, you can't just like willy nilly just be like, okay, we'll just put them on LTIR later because you're going to forfeit salary. That's going to hit you in the long run. You can't, or sorry, not forfeit salary, forfeit cap space. That's going to hit you in the long run. It is literally not worth it. If the Canadians can trade him, that would be the best scenario. And also uh, Kent Hughes alluded to some insurance issues after the trade deadline or was it after the end of the season uh insurance issues preventing the Shea Weber deal from going through or something like that there's a complicated situation there we're not 100% sure about what's going on but either way like it you know when we say it's not going to be easy to trade him I think it's because it's going to cost something to trade him you can't like Arizona's not just gonna be like give me your Shea Weber I need the cap hit that's not happening we need to yeah. let go of that. So every time Scott says something and people are like, no, it's not going to, it's going to be so easy. It's going to, no, it's not going to, it's not going to be simple. Why would any team in the NHL help you out? Why would they? Nothing in this in world for comes for free. And like everyone knows Montreal needs to get rid of this contract. We don't know what's on up with Kerry Price. If he's good to play next year, you have a $10.5 million cap that you have to fit on the roster that is bloated and heavy with contracts from guys who earned it through the playoff runs under Mark Bergevin, this and that. Moving Shea Weber's contract is a non-starter, and I assume is actually very likely one of the next things on Kent Hughes's docket here, is that like they signed Weidman, the draft is around the corner, and they're getting their final preparations for that. I would not be shocked if the week of the draft or right before that the Canadians go, 
We've traded Shea Weber for potato McPotato face from the AHL to from whatever team that might be. And he, you know, they go and they put him on an LTIR because they're $36 million under the cap floor or something like that. Like you're going to have to give to get rid of something though. Everyone knows the Canadians want to get rid of this contract. They are not in a position of strength here. Nashville is in an even worse spot because God forbid Shea Weber does actually say, yes, I want to retire. Nashville is screwed. And if there's a team that should probably be looking to acquire Shea Weber's contract somehow and make that cap work, it should probably be the Predators so they don't get nailed by cap recapture because for every less year remaining on that contract, they get hit with a cap penalty if he retires. And with four years left, that's, I believe that starts getting into like the three and a half to $4 million a season range. And if he retires with one year left on his deal, uh, they're on the hook for $26 million, which is legitimately the funniest outcome I can imagine. I cannot imagine a team having to pay out $26 million to a player who retired because they matched an offer sheet in 2013. I think that'd be really funny. I don't think it's going to happen. And I also think Shea Weber would never do that to them. Oh, um, no. But for the <laughs> chaos, Nick and Ann, we love you guys a lot. But if you don't want to see a team try to navigate a $26 million cap penalty, we can't be friends at that point. They would not be able to ice an NHL team. They would That'd be, be really funny. It would be I, so I, good. I need that chaos. If, <laughs> if he's going to retire, give me that chaos because uh, it, it, it's, it's $26 million. It's Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and still another $4 million. Like, that's... <laughs> It's, it's, it's fabulous. Silly. Is what it's it is. silly. It's dumb. It's so and silly. So it's so so good. Yes. Um, all right. So there's one more thing I wanted to discuss before we're out of time, and that is the Boston Bruins have let uh, Bruce Cassidy go. It's uh, stupid. Uh, a bit it's of a so stupid. It's so 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 <laughs> stupid. Um, Take it away, Scott. Um, the Athletic mentioned that uh, it might be that there's some conflicts with the way he handles younger players which sounds like why Claude Julian was fired uh and he may not have gotten along with one of the vets in the room might have been David Krejci or Patrice Bergeron which at a certain point the Bruins kind of went okay no despite the fact that they've been one of the best five on five teams for the last under Bruce Cassidy it's I I think it's a dumb move I think Bruce Cassidy is a very good coach I am not sad to see him go because I hope the Bruins the Bruins are going to be bad next year. Marchand, half of their defense, they just fired their coach, are all gone to start next season. They are injured, recovering. Patrice Bergeron might be gone. The Bruins are not going to be a good team. And as someone on Twitter put it, put it out, you can't have a rebuilding season with a coach who only knows how to win. It, and it's like, okay, I don't know if firing him was the right move or not, but it helps the tank. And if the Bruins get Connor Bedard, I will throw myself in front of a moving train because they don't deserve nice things. They've had enough nice things. They've had Patrice Bergeron for almost two decades, for God's sakes, go away. You don't get anything nice anymore. You gooned your way to a Stanley cup final. Go away. No, no (laughs) nice things for you. 
I kind of understand, like, now that now that you talked about what The Athletic uh, reported, and they wouldn't be saying that if if there wasn't, you know, like, it's a smoke, there's fire thing. I, I thought about it, and I was like, what if Patrice Bergeron said that he'd only come back if they got rid of Cassidy? Or what if Patrice Bergeron has decided to retire, and in his exit interview, or whatever it is, uh, he mentioned that that was a problem, right? I do think that if you're a rebuilding team, you do need to be good with young players. But I also think that the era of coaches that aren't good with young players has to end in general because right now you've got all these young players that the best way to develop them is to play them if you can and it's we're not we're no longer living in an era where uh your need to earn it will trump your talent because all the teams have you know departments and they have scouting and they have analytics to kind of bring out the best in everybody why would you put somebody in the press box or the bench or whatever um if they could contribute to wins and and that's that's just the reality of where the NHL is going, uh, which is exciting for a team like Montreal uh, with so many young players that are coming up and that are going to be coming up, hopefully, with the draft. And obviously, we'll be following all of that. We've got a couple of cool things coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking to a couple of OHL people because people ask a little bit more about Shane Wright's play over the course of this year and what it, what it means. Um, so that's definitely something that we want to answer. We'll bring in some OHL people. Uh, we want to talk about Caden Gooley. So we're going to be talking to somebody who has a lot of... Um, a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, exposure to him out West. Uh, and, uh, our good friend from Lockdown Flyers, Russ Cohen was at the NHL combine, did cover the NHL combine. And so next week we scheduled a couple of crossovers with Lockdown Flyers in which we will talk to, uh, Russ about all the things from the NHL combine, including a fun story, uh, regarding Jack Hughes, Kent Hughes, son, and all that's coming up in the coming days and weeks. So please subscribe to Lockdown Canadians, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like us, please give us a good review or rating on any of your podcast apps because that will help other people find us. Also tell your friends. That's been really helpful. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. You'll find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Please feel free to send us questions, mailback questions, topic ideas on that, the YouTube or uh, on our email, which is LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to us and we will be back tomorrow.